Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Boyer. This is Philly's Therapy's Off-Season Week in Review for November 13th, 2022. Matt remains on vacation. As expected, things were a little bit slow to kick off the first full week of the off-season. The Phillies were linked to a couple of different names, one surprising, one not so surprising. Maybe surprising isn't quite the right word. They also made a couple of smaller moves along the fringes of the 40-man roster, and made sure one of the members of their coaching staff, a very valuable member of their coaching staff, is taken care of for the next couple of years. We'll start, of course, with the shortstops, because that's what everybody's interested in this winter. The Phillies were linked um, loosely by John Heyman of the New York Post to former Red Sox shortstop Xander Bogarts, who stands a pretty good chance of going back to Boston, you would think, but anyway... The Phillies, of course, having money to spend and a need, yeah, we'll call it a need, a need at shortstop are going to be linked to all four of the big names, Bogarts, Trey Turner, of course, that's the not-so-surprising name, as well as Dansby Swanson, and maybe even Carlos Correa. Now, opinions vary on the four of them, wildly. They are, they are different players, obviously. Depends on what you want out of a shortstop. Maybe you're somebody who prefers somebody like Xander Bogarts. Bit of a higher average hitter. Has a little bit more consistent power than a couple of the other guys, especially Turner. Although Turner's no slouch. Bogarts has maybe a couple more questions about whether he can stick at shortstop long term. Maybe he's somebody you think about as a second baseman and keeping Bryson Stott at shortstop. You know, and while that's not the be-all, end-all of this whole situation... We are maybe a little reductively thinking about it just in terms of making a shortstop upgrade because Bryson Stott has shown that he's capable of playing shortstop. I just want to make sure that doesn't get lost in the fold here. He's a good fielder. He's shown that he's a pretty good fielder. He's got a good arm, showed some good instincts, decent range. He's somebody who can stick at shortstop. It's not fait accompli or whatever that he has to move to second base when there's an addition made. And if you think, like, Xander Bogarts is your guy, well, it's not quite an Alex Rodriguez-Derek Jeter situation, but maybe you need to stop for a second and think about who you want to move to second base. As it relates to Bogarts, you can think about him as somebody who's got a decent first step, decent range, a bit of a below-average arm which is something that could concern you a little bit if you think about somebody getting into their 30s as a shortstop. You need to have the arm to make the plays toward the third base side, really just in general. You know Bryson Stott has the arm. He was way up in the high percentiles for arm strength, according to StatCast and those related measures. So if you look at Bogarts, who admittedly has really only ever played shortstop, You know, this isn't somebody who's moved around the diamond a lot. This is somebody who hasn't played a position other than shortstop since 2014 when he was 21. It's basically all he's done. That doesn't mean that's all he's going to do. So if you think about Bogarts and if he's amenable to this, which is the big thing, you add somebody who is pretty reliably a 300 hitter, has been for the last four, almost five years, even before that. 
somebody who'll slug, and you probably don't expect those power numbers to drop off all that much moving from Fenway to Citizens Bank Park. He's got a bat that'll carry whatever position you plug him at. That's, that's not a problem. Really what you have to think about when you think about these top four shortstops is really not just who would want to come to Philadelphia. Because you'd have to think that all four of them would at least in some capacity consider Philadelphia with the money they're probably about to shell out for one of these guys. Instead, think about it as having this intangible part of the equation about where a player wants to play, right? Not just location, not just home city or division or league, anything like that. Do these shortstops want to stay shortstops forever? I think there's a stereotype, maybe, that comes with some of the more premier positions on the field that whoever's playing there wants to be there forever, that they just want to hold that down. Like they're a number one wide receiver, and that's just what they want to be. They don't want to move. And maybe that's true in some cases. I can't speak for any of the big four shortstops in this year's free agent class. I don't know them personally, sure, but I also haven't seen any sort of uh, prima donna element, diva element, anything like that, that would go into preventing them from maybe shedding a bit of ego (laughs) and moving to another position. Who knows if they even have ego to begin with? Look, the point is this. The big four are shortstops. They have been shortstops. But they won't always be shortstops, probably. And with Bryson Stott being in the mix, you wonder about how Stott's bat is going to improve next year. He's a separate case. Defensively, there isn't really much of a worry about him. And if your evaluations have Bryson Stott as a superior shortstop defender to one of these four guys, whether it's Bogarts, whether it's Turner, whoever it might be, well, then you have to do some convincing, don't you? You don't necessarily want to just move Bryson Stott to second base because you can. I mean... Stott has shown he can play a good second base. He's a, he's a good defender. He's shown he can play second base. You can move him off of that more natural position if landing one of these premier shortstops and having the essential condition be that they play shortstop every day, that's part of it. Well, okay, then you have you have a backup plan. But something to watch as this all unfolds, something to think about. Wouldn't consider it a deal breaker, but we are trying to look for every new angle we possibly can here. Something to definitely keep in mind is future positions and where these guys are going to play in what configuration, especially keeping in mind the shift is gone. Shift is over. Shortstops have to stay on their side of second base. So range is going to be important. Anyway, back to Bogarts. You would have to expect that Bogarts would get a contract somewhere in the Turner vicinity. Bogarts will steal a bag or two here or there. He's not really a speed threat. You look at someone like Trey Turner, who's pegged as the favorite for the Phillies to sign, at least right now. He's definitely more of a speed threat, even as he enters his 30s. Bogarts has more pop, definitely more extra base hits, and somebody who can hit the ball out of the park more regularly. Lots of doubles, just a ton of doubles, just doubles, doubles, doubles. He's, Bogarts already has over 300 doubles for his career, which is amazing. And so there should be legitimate interest in somebody like Xander Bogarts. I don't think of all of this stuff as a distraction from Trey Turner. Even if Turner is a number one to some folks, to maybe a lot of us, 
it's not a bad thing to also check in on some of these other guys. They're very good players. And if Turner, for some reason, does not end up in Philadelphia, which he might not, there are going to be a lot of other teams interested. It's hard to find fault in thinking of Xander Bogarts as plan B. He's a really good player. So it's only good stuff so far this offseason as far as links and rumors are concerned. And Xander Bogarts does nothing to change that. But away from links and rumors and potential signings and potential moves, we have some actual moves from the past week. Earlier in the week, the Phillies made a couple of waiver claims and outrighted a few more folks just for some housekeeping. They claimed a couple of pitchers from the Giants, including a pitcher that they claimed in early August, who San Francisco then claimed from them. That's Andrew Vasquez, along with Luis Ortiz. Now, maybe more importantly, as you look toward roster hygiene and maintaining the 40-man roster ahead of the contract tender deadline, you have a list of interesting names that the Phillies removed from their 40-man roster. They did not cut these players. Get into the details in just a second here. But there are a couple of players who you may have uh, been paying some attention to over the last year plus who are now no longer on the Phillies 40-man roster. They include Mark Appel, Hans Kraus, who arrived in the Kyle Gibson trade that sent Spencer Howard to Texas, along with Kent Emanuel, Damon Jones, and utility man Jairo Munoz. Now, the interesting thing about being outrighted means the player already cleared waivers. When you outright somebody, you're removing a player from the 40-man roster without removing them from your organization. So there's there's clearly some, some desire on the Phillies' end to keep these guys around as depth. And you can understand that. I mean, each one of them has appeared in the major leagues at some point. But all of them are clearly no longer in any sort of long-term or, or cornerstone plan at the moment. Mark Appel had a nice moment where he was actually able to make his debut, make a couple of appearances, but struggled a little bit back in the minors, has some control issues. Uh, can't really think of him as a shutdown arm. Hans Kraus arrived as something of a prospect in return from Texas, and that just really hasn't panned out, and he's had some injury issues. Ken Emanuel as well. Um, there was some thought that last year he could be a little bit of bull, uh, bullpen insurance, a little bit of depth, and that never really panned out. Damon Jones fought control issues basically his entire time in the majors. Uh, it's good development success story for the Phillies that he ended up making the majors, but uh, he's still got some stuff to figure out. And Jairo Munoz has basically been replaced by Edmundo Sosa. Um, it's a little less imperative that the Phillies carry so many utility players on their 40-man roster. And so Munoz was sent through waivers. Now, all of them cleared. Appel, Kraus, Emmanuel, Jones, Munoz, all of them passed through waivers. No other team claimed them. Now, whether it's because the other teams didn't want to guarantee them a 40-man spot, didn't necessarily see them as fitting onto their roster, all of that comes into play. But the fact is, other teams passed on the opportunity to add these guys too. So it's for the Phillies' gain. For now, they maintain a little bit of depth. Obviously, not being on the 40-man roster means there's some potential Rule 5 draft exposure, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it's no guarantee that all of these guys remain in the organization come opening day. But for the moment... The Phillies maintained a little bit of depth while freeing up some 40-man roster spots to uh, protect some other guys within their system and, of course, make some external free agent additions. Lastly, the Phillies reached an agreement with hitting coach Kevin Long on a contract extension. Long was already under contract for 2023, but now is under contract through 2025. 
There was some thought earlier in the offseason that Long could potentially be a candidate for a managerial position with another team. Obviously, that will now have to wait, ideally for another three years, as Long will stay in Philadelphia to keep working with this team that um, he helped out. There were some improvements made. Most notably, I think, and the highest profile story really surrounds Brandon Marsh, who uh, the Phillies obviously acquired in trade in the middle of the summer from the Angels. Now, there's some thought that because Marsh's numbers ticked up so dramatically, you look at what he did in Anaheim where he hit 226 with a 350 slug, 80 OPS plus, didn't really look great, was starting to starting to wear things out a little bit there. Strikeout rate was over 30%, over 33%. really just wasn't looking good. The Phillies ship out Logan O'Hoppy, their former catching prospect. Marsh comes to Philadelphia and, whoa, what do you know? Hits almost 290 with a 450 slug and pushes his OPS plus up above 110 to 116 and has a couple big home runs in the postseason. And so you look at that and you think, well, well, that's fantastic. Right away, you see immediate improvement. And I think some of that is due to Long. You know, you can give Long some credit for that, sure. The strikeouts have not completely gone away. That's for sure. He still, Brandon Marsh still struck out 41 times in 138 regular season appearances with the Phillies. So that's still pretty high. It's not quite 33%. It shaved a little bit off, but it's still something to watch. He doesn't walk a lot. He's not a huge on base guy. So he's pretty average dependent is Marsh. Um, not to get too much into a tangent here, but there was some improvement made. And I think when you have a guy who has an impact on some of the younger guys and maybe some of the veterans who the players enjoy working with who they feel like they can work through some of their tougher patches. And that's important. Comfort is a big deal. You know, you think about the the carousel the Phillies had gone through the last few years with their pitching coaches. How many different pitching coaches had they gone through <laughs> in the last five years? I mean, think about this, right? Back in 2017, that was Bob McClure's last year. Then you have Rick Kranitz. Then you have Chris Young who the Phillies wanted to maintain more than Rick Kranitz, and he only lasted a year. You have Brian Price, who lasts one year and then retires. <laughs> and then you add Caleb Cotham, and all of a sudden, you've got a little bit of stability for the last two years. And look how some of these guys have responded. So there's something to continuity. There's something to familiarity and comfort. And that can't be discounted when talking about a major league coach. So it's nice to see that Kevin Long is going to be sticking around for another couple of years as the Phillies hitting coach. And hopefully things only continue to improve for guys like Brandon Marsh and even the uh, veteran types like, of course, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, maybe even Reese Hoskins and on and on and on. So that'll do it for this check in. Fairly quiet week, all things considered, as the offseason starts to get ramped up. The GM meetings have completed. Free agency is open Guys are free to sign with teams as they please. And you just never know when that big day, that big moment will be here and the Phillies make their next big move. But until that happens, we'll all just stay tuned and we'll be back with you if and when that moment does happen. So for Matt, who is hopefully enjoying his first moments of vacation, I am Paul Boyer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check back in with you soon. Bye.